Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we are speaking with Lisa Kandra. Finding her niche in business was quite the process for Lisa. Her strong interest in personal and leadership development led her to earn certifications in speaking, training, coaching, and DISC human behavior from the John Maxwell team and Personality Insights. Once trained and certified, Lisa jumped into her entrepreneurial adventure full force, leaving her 20-year leadership position at a nonprofit to open her own consulting business, Lisa Kandra Consulting, LLC. Lisa was determined to hold tight to her desire to pursue work that she was passionate about. And while consulting jobs for businesses were readily available and very lucrative, she felt something was missing. Wanting more and knowing how to get there, Lisa set out to coach herself to success. She began looking back over the timeline of her life and realized that her most fulfilling and successful assignments were always related to children, youth, and families. With this in mind, she volunteered with her local court to mentor juvenile offenders in her community. It was in this opportunity that Lisa stumbled upon a passion that is the foundation of her business today. So welcome, Lisa Kandra. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much for having me this morning. We're so happy to have you on our podcast. And as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am. I'm really excited. All right. So Lisa, can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? Sure. When I was growing up, leadership was never discussed in our home as a concept. It was more about self-leadership. So I was taught to make wise decisions and be responsible for my actions. And we were taught whatever job you were doing, whether it was mowing grass or babysitting, be the best, make them glad you came. So my father, he's a natural born leader and he's an excellent communicator. I think I model my leadership after him. I worked hard at every job I had, like he wanted us to. And I was often complimented on my ability to communicate with customers or train coworkers. Mm -hmm. And as I look back, I find that funny because my whole life, I thought my name was Be Quiet, Lisa, um, in school, <laughs> in no. school and in so my you were home. A little chatty, huh? <laughs> I was, that's exactly what my dad called it. I really thought that was my name, but it was nice um, that my desire to communicate a lot was eventually recognized and rewarded with leadership positions throughout my career. Career. In February of this year, I left my job of 20 years to start mm -hmm. my own consulting business. My initial target audience for consulting and teamwork, leadership development, and communication were businesses and organizations. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the work, and I really enjoyed the individuals I was working with, but I felt like something was missing. And one of the missions of my business was that I was only going to do work that I was passionate about. So I realized I have to find my niche. I like doing this, but I'm not passionate about it. 
one of the practices that I was taught in my speaking training was to go back over the timeline of my life and just mm -hmm. look at the places where I felt the most passionate, the most fulfilled, where stories happened in my life. And when I did that, at every point, I found the most satisfaction and joy working with children, youth, or families. So that was the good news, but the bad news was I had no idea how to incorporate that into a business. I was very discouraged at first. I was blessed because I was getting a lot of contracts, but I literally had to sit down and say, okay, am I never going to be able to work in my passion because um, I really enjoy young people and how can I do that? Mm -hmm. So one of my mentors is John Maxwell. Encourage my mentor too. Yay! I've learned a lot of great stuff from him. He's a wonderful man. Um, he encourages his team of coaches, speakers, and trainers to add value in their communities any chance they get. So I thought, well, there's my jump off point. I remembered that I had received an email from the juvenile court asking for adult mentors to come alongside of youth who were on probation. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to respond with an email offering to bring my training to them as a volunteer. But mm -hmm. I felt like, well, I'll, at least I'll be fulfilled. I'll be doing something I really wanted to do. I can do my business on the side and then, you know, pour into these kids. The director of the juvenile court contacted me and asked me if I would sit down with him and the lead juvenile court judge. And at the end of that meeting, I had secured two paid pilot programs. It was to work with the juvenile offenders in the areas of leadership development, communication, mm -hmm. and self-awareness. The pilot programs were very successful, and they led to a steady stream of 10-week programs I get as youth are assigned to me. In this, I have definitely found my passion and my purpose. These kids are my tribe. <laughs> I'm now working on programs and proposals to do similar work in all 88 counties of my state. And I'm also writing programs and proposals to train the juvenile court staff in motivational interviewing. And that's kind of what I do when I work with the kids. It's been very exciting and rewarding. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. And a complete pivot from where you were. Absolutely. Now, you spoke about being clear that you weren't working in your passion area and that that was a time of tension for you. What was it that triggered that you should work in your passion area? Was it that training in speaking? I think it came down to many things in my training, mm -hmm. including the speaking track that I took. One of the other things I do is I'm a part of an empowerment group. It's based kind of on think and grow rich. And so it's empowerment thinking, your awareness, what you draw to you. And as I went through that learning track and practiced it, I just became aware in my own self that we get one life and I need to be in something I'm passionate about. I'm here for a purpose and I need to define that purpose. And I also remembered learning somewhere in one of those many things that I've learned through the John Maxwell team and these empowerment courses that I take. One of the things I learned was that if you can find something to do that doesn't feel like work, you'll never work another day in your life. I grabbed onto that and I'm like, that's what I want to do. When I would take some of the jobs with organizations or businesses, it would take a lot of prep on my part, hours and hours of study, research. When I work with the youth, each week their lesson comes to me. As I get to know them, their lesson just comes to me. It's what I know. It's what I'm good at and it's what I'm most educated in is the way that they think and the things that they're going through, how to help them overcome that. So it was a combination of all those things and the desire to be in something that would come easy to me. Thank you so much for sharing that. And this is certainly important work. 
I met you at the last conference in August and I was just honored to meet you and I love what you're doing. Thank you. Oh, thank you for your encouragement. You were so encouraging the day we met and it meant a lot to me. I appreciate it. So Lisa, how would you describe your leadership style? My leadership style is based on my ability to encourage and inspire staff. And I think I do that through effective communication. I love productive meetings and I love for the entire. <laughs> you know, I love that you said that. <laughs> yes, I, I cannot do non productive meetings, but um, I love when a whole team comes together and weighs in on decisions and creative endeavors. All the different personalities, thought processes. And for me, at the age I am now, I think there can be such a big disparity between people in my age group, my 50s and what we call millennials. And I always had a lot of millennials on my team and I learned to value what they had to say and to overcome some of the things maybe I could have been stuck in, how it needs to work. And that's why I want to give them a chance. I want to grow with them. I want to learn how they feel about things, how they think about things. And I want to allow them to be the leaders of the future. So I think that falls under transformational leader category. I love to set people up to win. I'm also a servant leader. I once read a book by Kim Blanchard and Kevin Hodges called The Servant Leader. Mm -hmm. And it was about adopting the management or leadership style of Jesus Christ. And I really related to the idea that in order to be a great leader, you must be worthy of the following. You have to be as interested in your team's success as you are in your own. And um, you have to be willing to go the extra mile to take care of the team and set them up to win. And which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? The first quote I would say has been attributed to Abraham Lincoln, but mm -hmm. scholars say that it was a lumberjack who said this, and then President Lincoln used it and it became accredited to him. But it says, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four hours sharpening the ax. Mm. This speaks to me because I strongly believe in being prepared and in having a desire to do things right the first time. Right. If you expect those that you lead to give their best, I feel like you have to go in and do the work ahead of time and show up with your best every time. Yeah, because you're showing that you value their time as well. Absolutely. Uh, there are two more quotes that have really come into play for me recently as I've started to work with these troubled youth. And one of them is to add value to others, one must find value in others. And that's John mm -hmm. Maxwell. Mm -hmm. And then Toad Roosevelt said, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. I believe that's why I have success with these young people. Great quotes. So speaking of all those wonderful leaders, what type of leader are you inspired by and why? I'm inspired by a leader who's a team player, uh, one that's involved and wants the entire team to win. I like uh, someone who makes a point to know each person on the team and how they communicate and what makes them thrive. I also admire a leader who makes themselves available and runs really effective meetings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my DISC personality type is C, and that means I desire excellence and details so that I can get the job done correctly. And having a leader who's a great communicator is a huge win for me. I'll go the extra mile for any leader who equips their team and is not afraid of my success. That's important. A leader who isn't afraid of other people succeeding. A leader who empowers other people. Yes. What's the best advice you've ever received? 
that's such a yeah. question. It's such a great question. And it, and it really makes one think. And for me, I think it was from my mom. She often told me that when emotions are high, wisdom is low. Mm. And that really proved true for me when I was about 23 years old. And I was working in a job that had incredible potential. I loved the job. I was moving up through the ranks pretty quickly. And one day when I went into work, my immediate supervisor just completely blindsided me. I was pulled into an office with her boss and told that I was going to be put on a 90-day probation because she said that I wasn't doing my job. Hmm. And to this day, I remember just standing there thinking, this is it. It's over. Like if I fail at this job, you know, what will I ever do in my life? And besides that, this supervisor had told me that I was doing a great job and she worked with me every day. So I left there that day, just numb. And I called my mom and was talking to her about it. And of course, you know, I was angry and I was ready to go to war. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I told my mom that, you know, I just wanted to go in the next day, tell everybody what I thought and resign from work forever. And uh, she reminded me, uh, you know, Lisa, where your emotions are high, your wisdom is low. And she said, you know, it wouldn't be wise to leave. And especially like that, she suggested that I get my emotions in check and stand strong. She told me to take it as constructive criticism and go back to the office and work harder than I'd ever worked before. She told me to show kindness and to extend gratitude to my supervisor. So somehow I managed to do that. And after the first few days, it became easier and easier. My confidence was being built back up. And uh, to my surprise, two weeks later, I was called back into the office. And this time, the president of the bank I worked at was there. And he apologized for what happened and wrote me a letter of apology and said that my immediate supervisor had come to them and admitted that she was just concerned that I was going to take her job. And so she lied. And she came to me and apologized and told me that my self-control and attitude is what helped her see that what she did was wrong. And that was definitely a lesson to operate from a place of wisdom and not emotion. Wow. So this is really a great story and very interesting to me. So when you took the advice that your mom gave you, were you sitting in that space? Did you like believe it and want to do it? Or did you just do it because you trusted her? I'm going to say I did it because my mother is a woman of faith and that she has given me her faith. Just so much wisdom in that. And I knew it was coming from a place in her heart. So I wanted to do what was right. Mm-hmm. And it also came from a place of, I was, again, only 23 years old. I had moved to Florida with my husband. I got married very young and I needed her and I knew I didn't have the right answer. And it just rang true to me what she said. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I have to say that I really intentionally operated in that. But for many years, it's helped me in a lot of occasions because I can let my emotions get the best mm-hmm. of me in my insecurities. As soon as you were telling me about this, it reminded me of a situation that happened with me as well. In doing something that's right, but difficult <laughs> and being emotional, it's very intense, especially in giving grace to someone who is intentionally trying to harm you. Absolutely. Um, but you've grown so much from it. Um, I know that I grew a lot from it and I saw the wisdom in the advice that I was given. And so it has saved me on many occasions. It really has. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes wisdom appears or occurs as counterintuitive, but if you trust it and put it into practice, it will amaze you. Hey leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. 
If you haven't downloaded your copy of the Master Leadership Journal, go to masterleadership.org forward slash MLJ to get instant access and begin growing your leadership with questions that have been curated by top level leaders. I've also included some cool extras for you at masterleadership.org forward slash MLJ. Lisa, can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it's shaped your life? I can. And it, again, brought into practice the wisdom over emotion. Uh, Mm -hmm. About nine years ago, my first marriage fell apart and I was devastated because I still loved my husband deeply and he wanted to leave the marriage. And in all of the years that we'd been together, my career took a backseat to his. He provided very well for us. So a lot of my energy went into supporting him by taking care of the children in the home and letting my wants and needs be second. And once he left, I found myself not only having to be the leader of my home, but the financial leader. And what I learned from that experience is that for many years, I had given too much of my power away. I was involved in his success and I forgot who I was and what I wanted. Even though I don't have regrets about that, taking a supportive role, I did learn and do things much differently as I move forward in my life. I need to invest as much energy in my own success as I'm willing to put into others. I believe that it's important to live your best life every day because you just don't know what tomorrow might bring. Again, I was able to lean into the wisdom of not letting my emotions rule. And, you know, if there's such a thing as a situation like this ending up okay in the end, I will say I have no bitterness. I have no resentment. I have peace. I feel like my heart is healed. And I really had to manage emotions for that to happen. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. And just being an example of vulnerability, because you know that a lot of people and a lot of listeners may have gone or are going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much. Now, Lisa, can you tell us about one of your greatest successes? This one was a little bit hard for me to think about. I Mm -hmm. have been taught humility to a point that it can almost be a detriment. So I really tried to hone in on this. And I have to say that one of my greatest successes has been in raising my two amazing children. How old are they? One will be 33 this Mm -hmm. week and the other one is 25. They both are just wonderful people. They have huge compassion for other people. They work hard. They live the life they want. They both share the same faith with me, which is very important to me. That was something I wanted them to have and they did choose that. So that felt like a success for me in my life, especially them having to watch me go through the situation with their father and really trying to be the person I told them to be in that situation. I counted a success as well that my second husband, his first wife passed away and he came with an 11-year-old son and I took over the parenting with him. And we have an incredible relationship. I love him very much. And he sees me as his mom. Mm -hmm. And he too has a life of faith. And he's a go-getter in college right now. And that means success to me because my peace comes in knowing that my children are okay. Yeah, I would count that as a great success. Thank you so (laughs) much for that. I have a 15-year-old. And you know, that's the age where you go through it. Absolutely, you do. (laughs) So Lisa, what would you tell a new leader? who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? I would tell them to be the change they want to see in their work. 
it's important uh, to not to let the discouragement cause you to fail. Uh, mm -hmm. You still have to achieve and reach the levels of accomplishment that you've set out to. You can't let other people squelch that. I would encourage them to communicate with their leaders and let them help. And if the problem can't be resolved and you decide you have to leave, leave gracefully. I personally left the job after many years of trying to adjust to the climate. Our leader was not driven or in touch and mediocre was his motto and I just couldn't do it. I was so discouraged and I was always having to try to encourage and lift up the people around me, those I led, and then it just turned out that everybody in that organization always came to me for help or advice and I didn't want to be bitter and resentful mm -hmm. and it was definitely squelching me as a leader because I couldn't deliver on promises to my staff. I couldn't help them achieve the level of excellence they wanted to achieve because I didn't have the support from my leadership. So mm -hmm. I had to make a really difficult decision to leave a great salary, incredible benefits, mm -hmm. lots of vacation time and a flexible schedule. But I knew I couldn't do it anymore. I just, I wasn't motivated or excited about going to work and I was becoming bitter about it. But I did. I tried to work with the leaders. I explained to them what my challenges were, and they listened, and they were kind about it, but it was made clear that there weren't going to be changes, because if the mm -hmm. leader doesn't want to raise his lid, right. you can't make him. And so I gave plenty of notice that I'd be leaving to start my own business, and I did all I could to set my replacement up for success. I left gracefully encouraging people and only speaking positive about it. I maintain a relationship with everyone I worked with, and that's more important to me than being right. You left with integrity. I did. Wonderful. So many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you, and what are you learning now? <laughs> Let me just say that learning is my thing. Uh, I, it can really get me distracted sometimes. I get that from my mom. She's 83 years old and she still reads and takes notes for hours every day on whatever it is she wants to learn. So let me ask you, are you addicted to learning? Is that like a thing? Yes, um, I am. If you do strength finders, I'm a high, high, high learner. It's my first thing. Mm -hmm. And I love knowledge. I love to understand things. I want to mm -hmm. know what makes people tick. And I think I just don't want to be left behind either. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I try to keep up with, you know, what's going on now and technology. And I make sure I reserve time to read articles and tutorials on social media. My niche in business requires me to keep up with federal and state guidelines for motivational interviewing and juvenile offender mandates. Mm -hmm. So I spend a lot of time learning there and I spend time each day in learning more about my faith and there's just so many fascinating things in this world that I do. I have to discipline myself, but it's fun. It's fun to learn. I really enjoy it. Agree. I'm also addicted to learning, <laughs> <laughs> which is part of the reason we have a podcast because I keep learning from people. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah. So Lisa, if there were something you could change in education, what would that be? I am really passionate about this. Mm -hmm. When I work with these young people, they are the kids who are getting thrown out of class. They are the kids who are not wanted at the schools. They really, literally, I've been told that there are kids on a list of we don't want them here. They're disruptive, and it's true. They are disruptive. They bring a lot of negative attention. I would wish that schools in the U.S. would bring coaches in and mm -hmm. make them available in schools for students. I 
have achieved a very high level of success working with these students. I am told that the Ohio State University is doing some work with federal government on whether these kids should be put on probation, uh, keeping them out of detention, and that my name came up at one of those meetings because it's being talked about, like, how is she doing this? How is she getting these kids to show up? How is she getting them engaged? And I believe it's because of coaching. I don't tell them what to do. I don't tell them how they should be. I ask them the right questions for them to see what's wrong with their behavior, to see what's not working for them. I do a lot of goal setting with them. And nine out of 10 of them will say that one of their goals is to graduate from high school. Their behavior in school doesn't show that, but they really don't want to fail. And Mm -hmm. I know that there have been situations where one of the youth has been sent to me and by asking them, coaching them, asking them the right questions, helping them remember their goals, they can calm down, turn around and go right back and be okay. And I feel for teachers who are dealing with this in the classroom, they are, you know, trying to, they absolutely do. That was one of my goals in business was to write a program for how to teach teachers how to coach and to coach teachers. It can be very discouraging, I'm sure, to have some of these students in the classroom, especially when you have other children there who are ready to learn, and it scares them. It makes them uncomfortable in the setting, so we've got to find a solution, though, because I know where I live, drugs are a problem, and because of heroin, a lot of these people may not ever recover from these addictions, so we have to go to the generation that they have given birth to and help them overcome in order to stop it. And their education is an incredibly important part of that. So Lisa, if our listeners wanted to connect with you, because the work that you're doing is incredibly important, and whether they have questions or want to bring you in their organization, what's the best way to do that? I have a couple of avenues where I can be contacted. One would be my website, which is johnmaxwellgroup.com slash Lisa Kandra. And my last name is K-A-N-D-R-A. Perfect. Another way would be to email me. Again, I'm a communicator, so I can get an email and make a phone call and love to have a voice-to-voice conversation to help understand what someone's looking for. That is lisacandraconsulting at gmail.com. So on Facebook, how can they reach you? That's Lisa Kandra Consulting, LLC. Now, Lisa, what have you read, watched, or listened to that our listeners should as well, and why? Well, I personally recommend the Bible. I think every leadership lesson in life is found there. I just finished reading No Limits by John Maxwell, and it really inspired me to go for what I want in life and to hone in on my gifts and talents so that I'm working according to that. And lastly, a few months ago, I read Rising Strong by Brene Brown. Um, We all fail, and the path to success is paved with failures, and Mm -hmm. it's about the rebound, not the failure. I wish I could have read this book when I was younger, and I do strive to teach the youth this, that they're going to have failures, but that's part of getting to success. So those are three of my favorite authors, God (laughs) Almighty, John Maxwell, and Brene Brown. We're on the same wave here. Thank you, Lisa. So Lisa, many leaders put in long hours. What advice would you give about maintaining balance? I myself struggle with balance, and I can get so single-focused that I forget to tend to all the other parts of my life. Life is fleeting, and I think it's so important to maintain that balance in your relationships, in taking care of yourself, 
And I've started a practice myself of every day, I leave my paper calendar opened on my counter and everything that I do, whether it's contacting my parents to see how they're doing or touching base with my daughter on her business or making plans for lunch, I write it on my calendar. And the next morning I open that up and I look at it and I say, what did I forget yesterday that I could tend to today? And it's helped me a great deal because I really could just shut down and work all the time and miss out on the great things that life has to offer. And some of us can get very hyper-focused on something, and <laughs> especially if you work from home, right? Yes, yes. And forget about everything else. So this is great advice. Thank you. Now, if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? I would tell myself, don't be afraid to be seen as a leader. It's not arrogant or vain to want to lead. I would say, look at your life from a 360 degree angle, making sure you take time to love people, care for yourself and celebrate life. Just be present. Great advice. Thank you. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? I would just say that I think this podcast is incredible. I myself going through it and listening to people was just amazed at the leaders that you've had on here. And well, thank you, Lisa. I've taken so many notes and there's so many books I will read and so many things I will I try because of it. <laughs> so I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, thank you, Lisa, for adding value to me and to our listeners. Have a fantastic day. You too. Hello, leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.